Maybe you've seen messages about it on Nextdoor, or on Facebook, or heard from a friend. Maybe it's happened to you. People are stealing catalytic converters at unprecedented rates from vehicles across Portland. And for many residents, the property crime goes beyond mere inconvenience. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Up next, breaking news reporter Savannah Edens. Savannah went deep looking into the incredible rise of this very specific crime in Portland. We talked about catalytic converters, what they do, why people are stealing them, and what lawmakers are trying to do about it. Here's our conversation. Savannah Edens, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me, Andrew. So Savannah, you have so many stories and issues that cross your desk as our early breaking news reporter. There's so many different things you can focus on. Why did you want to go deep into the interesting world of catalytic converter theft? I spend a lot of time covering the more serious issues around uh, like more serious crimes like gun violence. And uh, I spend a lot of time at homicide scenes. And uh, while that is objectively one of like the the most serious uh, crime issues that Portland is seeing. I noticed that it's a much smaller community of people who are actually directly affected by gun violence and that issues like property crime, property theft, and just general detriments to quality of life like catalytic converter theft is basically affecting everyone um, on a broader scale. And so it was one of these things where I was like, it's either happened to you or you have many stories of knowing people that this has happened to. And we were just, you know, hearing sort of different anecdotal reports about this being an issue. And actually a woman was shot and killed as last year while allegedly acting as a lookout for someone who is stealing a catalytic converter. Um, like a homeowner came out and was defending his yeah. property, so to speak, and it ended up in, 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 in a death. And so we saw that, you know, there's like these really serious circumstances, but that for the most part, it's just this, I was hearing and, and, and hearing from people about it being just such a, like I said, a detriment to the quality of life in the city and sort of this thing that was happening all the time and leading to that question of like, why is it, you know, I wanted to know why is this happening and, uh, why is it sort of so normalized? Um, and uh, it, there seemed to be a, a big atmosphere of kind of just, you know, city officials or, or the police sort of shrugging and putting their hands in the air and saying, like, there's nothing we can really do about it. And so, that yeah, that's the long answer for why I wanted to <laughs> dig into it. So I think for a lot of people, they might not even really know what a catalytic converter is. Um, mm. So you can describe <laughs> what is this? Is this on all cars? And um, why is it valuable? Yeah, I didn't know what it was either. <laughs> um, so the catalytic converter is a part of the exhaust system. It's like similar to a muffler. And it was, it, it's been sort of a regulatory uh, thing since like in the 1970s was when it was passed by like the Environmental um, Protection Agency in the United States. And it was required for uh, catalytic converters to be placed on all, um, all vehicles, except for some diesel vehicles. And, okay. and nowadays, like fully electric vehicles don't have catalytic converters. So there's precious metals on the inside of the catalytic converter, typically rhodium, palladium, and platinum. And they act as a filtration system. And they filter the 
gases that a car uses mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be better for the environment. So they, they filter out like harmful gases. And yeah, that's why it's required. Those metals are precious and people are stealing catalytic converters to get th- to those metals. Is that the... Yes. The rub. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, the precious metals on the inside, they're, they're, they're non-renewable resources. So they have to be mined from the earth and we're not going to have them forever. And so there's a, there's a huge recycling industry around, um, extracting and sending those metals to the refinery. The reason that they're in such high demand, particularly in the past two years, is because those metals are worth a lot of money and they're worth more than gold. Uh, like, for example, the market price for platinum palladium this year is about $1,000 to $2,500 per ounce. Rhodium is trading at $18,000 an ounce. Wow. Compared to about two years ago when it was trading at about $3,000 an ounce. In comparison, right now, gold is trading for about $2,000. So each of these converters only has like a few grams of these precious metals. So it takes quite a bit, but there's just this huge black market for it. And especially in the past two years, there's been an extreme spike nationwide. It's not just in Portland. It's not just in Oregon. It's everywhere. Um, insurance companies are dealing out millions of dollars in claims because it's happening a lot. And, and there's different, you know, attributable things for it. Obviously, the past two years have been an extremely difficult economic time. And so it's sort of, I think, become a crime of opportunity is, is my understanding from my reporting, but there's just a really big market for it. So Savannah, this is kind of a, a sprawling issue, hard to wrap your mind around. How do people get money out of these catalytic converters once they steal them? They're not calling rhodium dealers, right, um, to, no. to sell this material? No, and and there's a little bit still of, of a shroud kind of around uh, what the black market looks like because you know part of what I learned is is that, w- that we still don't really know a lot about how it happens. But basically, you know, we know that thieves are you know they can steal a catalytic converter in just a few minutes. Usually, it happens at night. Um, most of the people I talk to uh told me about you know hearing that loud scraping sound of a saw and you know before they even go out to their car it's too late but it also happens in broad daylight often in like public parking lots yeah. um hospitals the airport has been a big target and toyota priuses for example are the biggest target because they actually have more of the rhodium palladium and, and platinum that we were talking about because they're a hybrid car. So anyways, they, they happen all over in driveways, in front of homes and parking lots. So what happens is people who are doing this typically use like social media, like Facebook marketplace, Craigslist and offer up. And you can, I mean, you can go on there right now and you can see, and you can put in, you know, looking for a catalytic converter or looking to sell a catalytic converter. And and um, they usually, you know, m- arrange some sort of meeting in in a, a public or even like a sort of obscure area. And either someone who's buying or selling uh, will say, you know, selling catalytic converters, whatever. And then a buyer will say, you know, I'll give you this much for it. And, and they meet up and there's no questions. No, they're not asking questions about where right. it came from. And they're usually um, 
these deals are usually happening with about like a hundred to three hundred dollars a pop in cash. And so from there, that buyer, the intermediate, the intermediary buyer sells the converters to either sort of unscrupulous scrap metal recyclers, mm-hmm. um, who are operating under the table or who are kind of known to be doing the, the illegal activity of also purchasing them without asking questions about where they came from. Or, you know, processors that launder the metals is what authorities have told me. Um, they also are shipping them or taking them to other states that are maybe more lax, for example, to our east, Idaho, um, mm-hmm. and to our north and south Washington and California, though those states are also cracking down on this issue. Um There are a few refineries in the country that deal specifically in those precious metals that we've been talking about. And I've heard word, but wasn't able to directly verify that some, uh, that some of this mark, some of these markets might be so big that they are going directly to the refinery. But the, Hmm. this is where we get into the weeds with it because you have to extract those little uh, catalysts from inside the catalytic converter, those metals. And so that's usually where the recycler, which is like a, you know, recycling business, they have the equipment and the facilities to do that. So it does, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure like how it would go directly to the refinery in that case, but there's also, um, you know, word that they could be, that, that they could be shipping them overseas as well to, to extract and, and uh, get the metals and the money out of it. But in terms of your understanding from a real on the ground level uh, of the, the actual theft itself, those people who are committing the thefts, who are, you know, getting out those saws and the mm-hmm. Lloyd Center parking lot, mm-hmm. um, they're pocketing maybe a couple hundred bucks yeah. from this mm-hmm. enterprise. They're not getting yeah. the two grand for the, you know, X amount of <laughs> no. uh, platinum, no. right? Down, down the line. You know, I mean, it's like any crime ring. It's like any black market. You know, you have the people doing the footwork and yeah. clearly there are intermediaries. There are people who are running this as an enterprise and as an operation and, you know, they're passing it along and, and there is a lot of money in the end of it. Well, let's get into the regulatory stuff, trying to crack this in a little bit. But before we do that, you really in your story, which we'll share in the episode notes, kind of did a big survey of shops that are you know, dealing with this. Can you kind of talk about what is the scope of, of this crime from, you know, the, the number of, uh, auto dealerships and, um, and shops you talk to? Like, can you get yeah. a, a sense of it? Yeah, I, I turned to car dealerships and muffler shops to get a better sense of the data because unfortunately, the purveyor of the best data right on this would be the Portland Police Bureau. And they have such a backlog of their public records requests that it would take months for them to extrapolate specifically catalytic converter thefts. They track the theft of car parts. And, and they told me that the theft of car parts in Portland has jumped 270% in the past five years. And they, you know, and we graph this out and there are significant spikes, especially in 2020 and 2021. And so anecdotally, we know that a majority of those are, are catalytic converters, but car parts can, that can also include like, I guess like rims are a big, a big (laughs) theft, uh, 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 seats people steal like whole seats out of cars but that category for example doesn't include license plates which is another big theft item but so it's not included in that so we know that there's just been this huge spike but you know i couldn't really i had i needed to find other ways to track down like how much is this happening so i i talked to a lot of um muffler shops and one in particular 
in Southwest Portland, he's installing 15 to 25 new converters a week just from people who have had them stolen. Um, and it's like doubled his business, but he feels sad about that because it's such yeah. a, it's such an issue. And, 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 and in one case, he even told me that he installed a, a converter for free for a family whose van had been, um, hit. And so, you know, it, for the people without, uh, comprehensive car insurance or people who are gig economy workers or people who are, you know, disabled or in, you know, just a lower socioeconomic status. This is like extremely detrimental to their life. It can cost like a thousand to two thousand dollars to replace this. And I don't know about you, but that <laughs> I don't have that money. So it's like, you know, it, it's hard even for, for, you know, working folks, middle class or, you know, working class folks. Is it the type of thing where your car is like inoperable or just legally you're going to be in a bad spot? Well, it's extremely loud. So it's like, yeah. it's like not having a muffler on your car. Um, right. and that's how people can always tell when it's happened because they turn it on and it's like a huge, horrible rattling sound. And yeah, they do have to get it back in. Let's stay with the people, the, the victims here. Do any stories um, spring to mind? Cause you chronicled quite a few in your, in your piece of people who, who've had this happen. I mean, for some people, it, like if you have an older car, lots of folks who have uh, older cars that are already maybe nearing the end of their life or um, they didn't have comprehensive insurance on it because why would you on a, you know, 2000 Honda, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like I talked to one guy who's like, I just don't even know what to do with it. He just let it, he's just letting it sit there because he can't afford to fix it. So now he has to take the bus for two hours a day to get to work there and back. I've talked with people who like witnessed the act, the act, a theft in progress and don't say anything because you just don't know when a situation like that is going to escalate and whether it's safe to approach those people. Uh, I've talked with people who have had it happen to them multiple times, particularly those Toyotas, i got to be honest. I mean, the the main uh, sort of anecdote that I used in the story was about a couple who, you know, they were getting ready to put a down payment on their first house. And, yeah. you know, they're in their 40s. They've lived in Portland their whole life. Like, they know that what it's like to be here. And they felt like they had finally just sort of gotten settled and been able to settle down. And, and, and now they, you know, go to sleep every night worried about this happening again and feeling like a little bit hopeless. And you extrapolate that out. There's, you know, when there's one shop that you surveyed out of, you know, about a dozen doing 15 to 25 a week, and that's just the people who can afford to have it fixed. You think of how many other people out there are going through the same thing right now. Totally. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk more with Savannah Edens, a breaking news reporter at the Oregonian and Oregon Live. So Savannah, your story chronicled, um, it was timely, obviously, because there's legal action. Uh, you know, obviously, this is a pervasive issue. And ideally, when something is so problematic, you cited the whatever 270% increase over the last five years. Hopefully, lawmakers are taking note of this. Can you describe um, what happened down in Salem uh, in terms of policy changes? Like, what are they trying to get at? And what yeah. are the chances that this helps solve the issue? Yeah. Last year, uh, Senate Bill 803 was introduced and 
garnered a ton of support from everyone across the state. Cause again, it's not just Portland, it's everywhere. I mean, school buses, uh, transportation authorities have been hit. Some of the legislators who sponsored the bill, uh, have had their own catalytic converters stolen. Um, not that politicians are any different from the rest of us, but I mean, it's just an issue. (laughs) They're just, (laughs) it's just, it's just an issue that really does has affected everyone. And so the idea from people who have been directly working on this, like uh, actually a, a prosecutor here in Multnomah County, Kevin Demmer, you know, he's been working with metal theft issues for years. And he, you know, got to a point where he's like, we can't keep prosecuting this. We have to find a more preventative approach. You can't, uh, you can't prosecute your way out of this essentially. So he worked on writing the bill and which passed and went into effect in January. And, and so part of the story was also about, you know, trying to really break down what difference it makes and, and where they're trying to target this illegal chain of commerce. And so, um, that, that's, yeah, obviously a, a huge de- detriment to also the, you know, metal recycling industry, the people who are running business legally mm-hmm. and, um, and recycling these metals that we otherwise, uh, would run out of because they're non-renewable resources and they need to be mined from the earth. Kevin Denver said, we can't keep arresting and convicting our way out of this problem because it already was pretty hard to arrest and convict. Someone has to be caught doing it multiple times and caught in the act and then connected to other multiple crimes. And there's no one in the local police authorities who is directly investigating car theft or car part theft, but we can get back to that later. So basically the new law limits the sale of catalytic converters to commercial licensed metal recyclers only. So those are, those businesses have the equipment to extract the precious metals inside before sending them on to a refinery. They also recycle the steel shells and they get to be used again. So it's like, it's like a good, Good thing. (laughs) And so, but now the difference is that those recyclers and a lot of them, for example, up on like Columbia Boulevard, up in our sort of industrial parts of the city, before the law, they would take like a photocopy of someone's ID and then they would send them a check. So sending a check for the like purchasing of, of metal has already been in place for several years and it was designed to deter theft because mm-hmm. back in the day it was like what beer kegs and like aluminum, like stands from high school, like <laughs> football stadiums and stuff like that. Yeah. And so the, they stopped using cash because the idea being people who are doing elect illegal activity want cash. They don't want a check being mailed to them uh, and traceable. So that was already in place. But now if I go to a metal recycling facility in North Portland and I want to sell the catalytic converter off of my own car for whatever reason, the recycler has to record the make, the year, the VIN number, and the license plate of the car associated with that catalytic converter. I also have to prove that I own it. I have to prove that I own the car and that it's from that car. And so the idea, you know, being, they're just trying to create a more traceable system um, for, you know, uh, identifying where catalytic converters are coming from. Is there a sense that that will capture, you know, the people who are cutting them off of cars and selling them on Facebook to someone they meet in the garage or, or, you know, is, is that, you know, that maybe 
is going to be a harder bridge to cross. Not really. So it's one a little too soon to tell. The hope from people in the legitimate like legal recycling industry is that they've created a process with a trail of documentation. So there's something like if something illegal is happening, the facilities that are doing it the right way, they can flag that to law enforcement who is supposed to be following up on reports of this. I think the frustration in the metal recycling industry, from what I understand is that they feel like there's this narrative that like, thieves are are coming to their recycling uh plant with a cartload full of catalytic converters but they're but they're not is what i'm hearing and that there's a there's a totally almost separate black market going on yeah your story chronicled you talked about uh the prosecutor kevin demmer you know he successfully prosecuted a a gentleman named tony schneider senior who raked in more than a million dollars you reported by selling catalytic converters to legitimate recyclers before cars were crushed. Yeah, that was a huge racketeering case uh, a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, that's an example of a business that was doing it and a huge investigation that went into busting them for crushing stolen cars. But on top of that, they were taking the things that were valuable out of the car, like the converter, and selling them. But that's not typically, that's not really what's going on now from my understanding. Right. And obviously they wouldn't be providing the VIN numbers and the make and models to, to the legitimate operators under, under this, uh, this new system. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is just such a weird web of, <laughs> mm-hmm. of issues. Let's go back to the police really quick. I mean, yeah. obviously police have their hands full on a number of fronts as you've mm-hmm. reported and our colleagues about the staffing shortages and the traffic fatalities you've reported on and the homicides you've reported on. So where, where does catalytic converter theft rank on there? Um, <laughs> you know, we care, we care about this issue list. I can't speak for the Portland police bureau on what they care about. I think everyone, you know, is, uh, rightfully kind of fed up and and sort of distraught over uh some of the these issues in Portland but they it certainly doesn't rank high on a list of things that they can or will investigate. So if I had my catalytic converter stolen, <laughs> knock on wood, yeah. I would report I need to report that to the Portland Police Bureau. But nothing really happens after that. They do not have someone on staff. They do not have a detective investigating even car theft. So if if I got my entire car stolen, which also huge problem, you're actually almost, uh, according to like some of the data, more in a way more likely to have your entire car stolen than just your catalytic converter. So as much as catalytic converter theft is an issue, some, I mean, people are taking the whole thing. So yeah. uh, anyway, so you should report it at the very least so that it can be compiled in, in, in data. But you know, they, they more than likely won't come out. They come out to like car dealerships sometimes who have, who have experienced this, mm-hmm. but they say like, they basically say there's nothing we can really do. The next side of it is that the Multnomah County sh- or the sheriff's office for each County in the whole mm-hmm. state is 
now supposed to be sort of a clearinghouse for the business side of it. So if a recycling company says, uh, pulls up a red flag of, you know, this, uh, this individual has come in and tried to sell us like four converters this week and it, it can't prove where they came from, things like that. They report that to the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office, for example. But it, otherwise it's, it, you know, I wrote that it, it sort of appears to be a, a relatively porous system of checks and balances. Because after that, the sheriff's office tells me that they track these reports and that some, you know, deputies connect similar cases and try to identify locations. But one of the questions that my sources brought up in the industry is like, why can't they just set up a sting? Why can't they go online, try to, I mean, you know, list, I I have catalytic converters for sale and bust someone who's buying them, those intermediary buyers. And, uh, you know, and I posed that question and it wasn't really answered by authorities. The DMV is also supposed to, you know, follow up on reports of of businesses who are, Mm -hmm. you know, doing things illegally, but it's not really clear. <laughs> so kind of given everything we just talked about Savannah and kind of the broader context of all the, you know, big issues we're, we're facing as a, as a metro area and as a region. Um, I don't know. What do you, what's your big takeaway on this reporting? Like, why does this, why does this matter? I think I keep coming back to that quality of life component. And, you know, it's easy to look at all the issues in Portland and put something like this at the bottom of the list, understandably. You know, we have like a lot of other crises going on, crises <laughs> going on. So, but but I think the way that it impacts so many, it's more than an inconvenience. And especially because we know it's an issue. People in power know that it's an issue. I think there's a genuine you know, concern from agencies and and authorities to want to fix this. But people in the community feel like they're, you know, there's sort of a shoulder shrug of, oh, well, you know, nothing we can really do. And then, and then there are people who are trying to make a change and, and want to regulate the industry, you know, regulate the, the black market. And they're just doing the best that they can, I think, to, to try to do that. But, it, it, you know, it's a complicated issue that's not going to be solved overnight. I just thought it, it would be a great opportunity because, you you know, we see different um, stories in, from local news, including us, about this increase in catalytic converter theft. But what does that really mean? And, and what does the process look like? And, and why is it an issue? And so that's what that's what I had hoped to explain. Yeah, it, you took it from, you know, the the random next door postings and, and news articles, right, where people were posting about their catalytic converters and really kind of went deep in a really uh, compelling way. So thanks for your reporting and thanks for taking time to talk about it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. I shared a link to Savannah's story in the episode notes. If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show and tell a friend. Help spread the word. The best way to support our journalism is through a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.